0: On this episode, I'll be discussing hygiene tips for DJs, alternative revenue streams, how to deal with not playing what you like, choosing the right mix transition points, record box scratch mixers, mixing a wide variety of genres in one set, jealousy amongst DJs, and if you should cater to DJs playing after you. Time to share the knowledge. Let's go. DJing is my passion, and for the last 27 years, I've been playing clubs, festivals, and corporate events. I've produced songs for artists, organized events, hosted radio and TV shows, and I've been the tour DJ for platinum-selling artists for more than 21 years. I'm taking everything I've learned, and I'm sharing it to help you become a better DJ. I'm DJ TLM, and this is the Share the Knowledge Podcast for DJs. Welcome to the Share the Knowledge Podcast quarantine season episode one. I'm your host, DJ TLM, and I want to start by sending a shout out to you. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome to the SDK fam. And if you're a day one follower of the podcast, welcome back and thanks for the support. This podcast is all about helping you become a better DJ and I'm here to answer your questions. If you want to ask a question for a future episode, please send your emails to share the knowledge at djtlm.com. If you're looking for DJ tutorials, product reviews, video clips from the podcast and other educational DJ content, tune in to DJ TLM TV on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and activate the notifications so you don't miss out on any of my new content. As always, feel free to share this podcast and any of my content anywhere. And if you have the option, please rate the episode and leave a comment. Now, let's get into the questions. (laughs) SDK all day, baby. Share the knowledge. Let's go. So, of course, the first topic of the Share the Knowledge podcast quarantine season episode one has to be COVID-19, the coronavirus This pandemic is now affecting the entire globe, and we're all feeling the effects of this uh, in different ways. Now, I understand the situation and the measures being taken are going to be different all over the globe. Some of you are in your first stages. Some countries are a little bit further along the line. Uh, Right now in the Netherlands here, we've been practicing social distancing for a couple of weeks, and we've been self-quarantining basically for the last couple of weeks as well. The schools have been closed. This is the second week now. So the kids are at home, homeschooling. That's actually taking a lot of our time as well because we have to assist them in their schoolwork. And um, yeah, they, they got a lot of work to take home. So that's good. They're still getting their study on, um, but we have to now play teacher as well. I go out to do groceries. Uh, the gyms are closed. All social gatherings are, are just done. Nothing is happening. A lot of stores are closed. Basically, the supermarkets are open couple of other stores and I think that's it so I go out to do shopping by myself the kids stay home and we've gone out a couple of times because there's a basketball court right across from the house there's almost no one ever there so maybe one or two people they'll be on one basket we'll take another basket just to give them some fresh air uh, to be out for a second but we just don't have contact with the other people go straight back in and again just make sure that we follow all the guidelines so always washing our hands for 20 seconds, hot water, soap. And and that's basically it. Of course, try to get enough sleep and eat right so you keep your own immune system up. And just that's going to help you out as well. If you have a lower resistance, it's much easier to catch stuff as well. Not just the COVID-19, because that's what everyone's talking about right now. But just like normal influenza or just a cold, if you're immune system is not on point, it's easier to get one of these viruses. And they're all part of that corona family, by the way. This is not something new. COVID-19 is just a new version and it's just way more contagious. So I hope everyone around the globe stay safe and just follow those guidelines and take this seriously. Even if you're a younger person, make sure you take this serious. Even if you get this and it does not have a lot of effect on you, you could still contaminate someone else who the consequences might just be a lot more severe. That doesn't have to be older people. You have people with immune deficiencies or other things going on, and this could be deadly. So for instance, I know that if my dad was still alive, he had all sorts of issues with his respiratory system already, COPD, what we call it here. If he would catch this virus, I would not give him more than a couple of days because he was already having trouble breathing on his own. Just imagine getting hit with a virus like that. So for some people, this is a very dangerous, dangerous virus. So stay safe. Now, of course, this is also affecting the economy. Like I said, a lot of stores are closed, and especially the smaller businesses are having having a hard time because you still got to pay your bills, but now you don't have income. And for DJs, this is definitely a hard hit. Now, I have to say and state up front, I'm fortunate enough that... DJing was not my main source of income anymore, and I haven't been DJing a lot for the last 6 to 12 months, a lot less. This has not hit me as hard as it hits some of you. If this is your only revenue stream, your only source of income, that is now completely gone. And I mean, I know all the DJ gigs that I did have planned, like my solo bookings or my gigs with Brain Power. everything for the next couple of months is just gone. I was going to be playing in L.A. in June. I was looking forward to that, but that was in association with E3. E3 is canceled, so that gig is out the window as well. That's June, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be beyond that as well. So for now, I'm just thinking that there's not really going to be a festival season this year. So there's a couple of bookings that I still have that haven't been canceled yet, but I'm expecting that email or call to come in very soon, like gigs in July, festival gigs. I don't know. I don't see it happening. Some people are still very positive, think this will be over pretty soon. Uh, I kind of doubt it. I kind of doubt it. This is going to take quite some time. So, But even if we get gigs back in July, that still means that you don't have gigs this month, not in April, not in May, not in June. If this is your only source of income, that's a killer right there. So I know there's already DJs out there that are currently looking for whatever type of work they can get because they know that they don't have an income anymore. But at the moment that's going to be hard as well, because like I said, a lot of stores are closed. A lot of places aren't looking for jobs, but then again, you do have certain places that are flourishing at the moment, stuff like Amazon or like Papa John's. um, They are doing very well. And I think Amazon was even hiring like crazy because they need more people. So yeah, it's a tough situation, a tough situation for a lot of us. And We're gonna have to hang in there for a while. I mean, we can definitely get over this and we will, but this is not easy. And some people really underestimated this and thought this was just like the flu. Well, it's pretty obvious that it is not. And it's rocking society, communities, and everyone. That's what I wanna talk about as well. Like I said, I have alternative revenue streams. So for instance, I have my YouTube channel, Now, I would consider that to be just a side hustle because I get a little bit of money from that. But when you lose all of your DJ gigs and your tour gigs, all of a sudden, you could be pretty happy that you have that side hustle going on. That is an alternative revenue stream. I'm not saying that's for everyone, but it is one of the revenue streams I have. Then in my case, I do produce videos for other companies as well. And since that can just go on, you don't need a physical store for that. So I can create the content, use the internet, send that content to a client and get paid money for that. So the video job have basically not taken over DJing, but it's kind of taken the priority. And right now that's helping me out because that's a job that can't continue. But for some of you, it might definitely be a good time to take into consideration if you should have an alternative revenue stream. And I know there's a lot of DJs out there that actually just have a normal job, quote unquote normal job, for instance, a desk job or something like that during the weekdays and just DJ on the weekend just because they did not want to have to fully depend on DJing which can be a great decision for some of you, especially if you have a lot of responsibilities like a family and whatnot that require you to make sure that money comes in to the bank every month, then that can be a a very good decision. Now, depending on how your DJ career takes off, of course, a full-time job during the week might be a little bit too much, but this is something to take into consideration. Are there other streams of revenue that you could add to DJing because diversifying that portfolio is always a good thing and this is a very clear example how that comes into play and this is not just for DJs artists as well like I said I had gigs planned with Brain Power; they're not going to happen because since all social gatherings have been canceled it means that for DJs musicians artists it's all the same all those gigs are gone from arenas to bar mitzvahs to just bars. It's not happening. So that's, that's just killing. Now, I'm not saying this is an alternative revenue stream, but this is something a lot of DJs are doing at the moment, and that is making sure that they keep their audience or build an audience by doing a lot of live streams right now. People are home all over the globe. People are watching a lot more content online. So this is a perfect time to actually... Try to find your audience there or just cater to your audience by mixing and letting them join in on the fun. It also keeps you sharp if you get behind those decks. So that's a good thing to see. And in some cases, you see that some of these streams are really blowing up. Like a week ago, you had D-Nice doing a live stream. I think you had like 120 or 200,000 people tune in. I don't know, like a crazy amount of people were watching that live stream of him mixing. So that's very cool to see. But what I do want to talk about for a second is hygiene and especially DJ hygiene. Now, I did make a video to talk about this right here, how we all have a phone and how we should not just be washing our hands, but make sure that we also clean that phone, because when you do go outside and you're touching all sorts of things uh, um, in a bus or in a subway, you're holding on to the bars, you might actually get something on your hands. All of us are on the phone when we're outside. So if you touch something, you get it on the phone, it's going to be on that phone. Now, if you go home and you wash your hands for 20 seconds with soap and you think you're clean and then you touch your phone again, now you get it back on your hands. So you have to keep this clean as well. Now, this is not just about COVID-19. This is a perfect opportunity, hopefully, for all of us globally to start paying a little more attention to hygiene because a lot of these things in the future could also prevent you from actually getting that other virus, influenza, or just the cold because a lot of people were not paying attention to hygiene at all. So for instance, now all of a sudden, all the stores are sold out when it comes to buying these small bottles of the liquid uh, hand gel, the washing gel, and I've had one of those bottles in my bag, in my DJ bag, for the last, I think, six, eight, or maybe 10 years. After every gig, when I've shook all the hands I had to shake and I got into the car, the first thing I did, same thing I do with Brain Power when we're done with a show and we get in the car, the bottle comes out, get a good squish of that and thoroughly clean your hands. Sometimes you feel it burn even, burn off all those bacteria and you name it. That's because I don't want to sit behind the wheel while I'm driving home and I might just put a finger in my eye or mouth. Next thing you know, you have an infected eye. Now, I'm not talking about COVID-19. I'm talking about years ago. I always was aware of the fact that I was shaking all of these hands. And let's be honest, especially when you go to clubs, you know, a lot of people in there are dirty mofos. They are. I go to the bathroom. Now, mind you, I don't drink. I'm sober at all times when I'm out playing. Anytime I get into a bathroom, at least 50%, and especially when it comes to uh, club nights, might even be 80% of people. They don't wash their hands when they go to the bathroom, including some of you DJs as well. So I know that a lot of the hands that I'm shaking are going to be covered in all sorts of stuff. That's what I always keep in mind. That's what I always think of when I shake these hands. And sometimes when you're shaking their hands, you already feel that clam sweaty, sweaty hand. Or you can just they just spill beer on their hands and you name it. And you're shaking all of those hands. They're touching money. You name it. There's a lot of dirty stuff. I'm aware of that, and I was, like I said, six, eight, or ten years. I think it's probably ten years I've been carrying that carrying that bottle to make sure I clean my hands. Now, it's not the same thing as washing them with soap and water, but it's not really making any sense for me to do that in the club because I know once I get to the door, I'm already shaking a couple of hands again. So uh, I've had that. I was aware of that. I will admit that one thing... I have not paid enough attention to in the past, and I think we as DJs should really start paying more attention to that, is DJ equipment and hygiene. You probably play in clubs, and before you and after you, there's more DJs playing on that same equipment. Probably did the night before as well. I think we can be pretty sure that most club owners are not disinfecting mixers and players at the end of a night. So all of these different DJs are getting their hands on all of these knobs and faders and buttons and jog wheels, you name it. And we're all touching all of that same equipment. That can't be good either. Same thing with like keyboards on computers. I've seen it before. I have no idea about about percentages, but that's like one of the dirtiest places, like those keyboards, stuff like this. I imagine DJ equipment is the same way. So, I'm paying more attention to that from now on. Now, especially you scratch DJs, and I'm one of them. If you're using DVS and you're playing with your vinyl, what's one of the things you do when you get that slippery hand and you want to get a little bit more friction? Yeah, we lick our fingers. We do. We get those fingers wet because we get more grip on that vinyl. Imagine if you're touching all these knobs being touched by all of these different DJs, if it's not your own equipment. And then you're licking your fingers. Now, to be honest, getting a little bit of bacteria here and there is a good thing because it builds your immune system. You do want to actually get some in at certain points. Uh, But yeah, let's be a little bit more hygienic. So it might be a good idea to have some sort of cleaning wipes or whatever that you carry in your DJ bag and before you start your gig in a club and you're not playing on your own equipment you wipe that down you make sure you get the knobs you make sure you get the faders you make sure you get the jog wheels yeah DJ before you might be playing and when he's done and he sees you cleaning he might look at you like what you think I'm dirty well, yeah you and every one of us we all should be doing this clean that And while you're playing, avoid getting fingers in your mouth or eyes, you name it. I think that can really help. And once you're done with your gig, make sure you wash your hands. Even if you're going to shake some hands after that, you'll wash them later. But paying a little more attention to stuff like that. And when it comes to shaking hands, I know that when this COVID pandemic is done, a lot of people will go back to that. But I don't think it's going to hurt if we shake less hands. You don't have to shake all hands. So maybe it's going to be more of just the fist bumps or some other way of doing it. But I think it's not a bad idea if we cut back on the hands, especially in clubs. A lot of time, people will come up to me. I I don't know them or don't really know them. And they're approaching you half drunk. like I want to give you a hand. I think I'll definitely revert back to just giving them a pound. Like, what's good. Keep it at that. But let's keep that hand, the inside of that hand. myself. And I've noticed this with like several of the precautions that people are taking now that for some people that was already normal or like a standard. I remember teaching my kids years ago that they need to cover when they cough or sneeze and not with their hand, but the inside of their elbow. I've been teaching that for years, like dab when you sneeze, just that. And every time you have to remind them every once in a while, but that's a normal thing. Same as when they come home from school, they have to come in and wash their hands. Normal things. But for a lot of people, that is not part of their normal hygiene regimen. But it should be. Just, just to make sure that we protect ourselves a little bit better. And it doesn't matter if it's something like coronavirus, the COVID-19, or like the flu, or just the cold. I don't like catching a cold either. But again, and I'll, I'll say that a couple of times, like make sure you keep yourself in proper shape, like get the right nutrition in and get plenty of sleep because every time in the last probably 10 years or more when I did catch a cold because I hardly ever get the flu and stuff like that, but whenever I did catch a cold, it was during a time when I had like three or four days of little sleep. As soon as that sleep goes down, I become more vulnerable. So keep that sleep up, get that right nutrition in, and then just take normal precautions like that, like a little more hand washing and stuff like that. And beyond that, man, we're sitting at home. If it's a lockdown, and it's a lockdown. If it's self-quarantining, it's self-quarantining. But we don't have gigs right now. We're staying at home a lot. I think if you have your equipment at home, the best thing you can do is actually make sure you stay in shape. So you get your mix on whenever you can. Maybe this is a perfect time to actually pay attention to some of the things that you know need work. These could be technical things like specific transitions or scratch techniques, you name it. You now have more time to practice. Now, another thing you could and should really do is use this time to take another look at the way you've set up your collection and your crates. Maybe this is a perfect time for you to rearrange or add crates, or look at the way you've structured your folders and get that in the right order. That's something I hopefully will have time to get into, even though I'm still dealing with some computer issues. Uh, Luckily, I was able to borrow someone's laptop that I'm using right now to do edits because I couldn't even edit for the last couple of months. Um, But after that, I need to also take a look at file structure and you name it. So you could get yourself ready now for when we get beyond this phase and that it's not a fact of you just spent the last month only sitting on the couch watching Netflix and now it's like, oh, okay, it's time to DJ again. You're going to be ready. you practice. you sharpen sharpened that iron so your skills are on point, your crates are on point. Uh, maybe you went out and experimented, went out, like went online, did some experiments to try and find new music, different music, uh, add some tricks to your bag of tricks, you name it. And I think having this time for yourself is also a great time to let the creative juices flow and think about stuff that you want to do or would like to do when we get beyond this phase that we're in now. So maybe you start thinking about new type of routines or totally different ways to play and I've already seen DJs online now that are posting videos of them experimenting, either with their normal DJ set or combined with some other production gear, you name it. Um, you could think of routines. Maybe you you start thinking about new type of events, a DJ event you would like to play at and that you're going to organize yourself. So be creative with it. What could be changed about the way things were um? Uh, before we were in this situation. So I'm not talking about hygiene, stuff like that, just DJing right now, creativeness, production, all of that. This is a great time to rebuild yourself as well. Of course, this is also a time that maybe you get to spend a little bit more with your family. For some, that's a plus. For others, that might be uh, like a hell, I don't know. Depends on your situation. But I know for a lot of you, you might be away from, from the house a lot. That could be from your parents if you're still younger, or it could actually be from a partner or an actual family. Now is the time to also make sure you get that bond correct again. Um, But yeah, let's stay sharp as DJs. Like I said, I don't know how long this will last, but this is not a time. You want to use this time as positive and creatively as you possibly can. (laughs) This is the Share the Knowledge podcast for DJs. So the question is, should you cater to the DJ playing after you? DJ TLM, I have an opening gig in May, and I already know it's going to be a bass show, Dubstep Freeform Bass. So I'm preparing my set accordingly. The DJ after me is strictly a house DJ. And after talking to him, I realized that he has never mixed any bass music, so I'm assuming he'll be playing house. Now I've heard that you should cater to the DJ playing after you, But what if the DJ after me is playing a completely different genre than what the venue is asking? Where should my priorities be? By the way, thanks for everything you do for the DJ community. It's a huge help for rookies like myself. So first off, I think we can assume that this gig is not happening anymore because gigs in May, um, depending on where you live, most likely those gigs will not be happening. Now, as far as the question, should you cater to the DJ playing after you? Well, I'll put it like this. If you're playing according to your time slot and purpose, you're already doing that. What I mean by that is, just for example, if you get booked to do a warm-up set, so you're the first or second DJ playing, if you play according to your time slot and purpose, you won't be playing the same type of stuff that the DJ after you is playing. You're actually complimenting them because you're building the vibe. You're setting up the atmosphere and you're getting the crowd ready For the later part of the evening or just the hype part of the event. So the DJ after you most likely will have to turn it up a notch, and you're building up for that DJ. You're warming up the crowd. If you're headlining a gig, then the people before you most likely, if they did their job correctly, have been warming up the crowd. And now it's your time to go. The warm-up DJ, if they do their job right, will not play all of the bangers and hits at the energy level that you'll be playing at if you're playing prime time. Now, mind you, a lot of DJs do not play according to their time slot and purpose. And that's when you can definitely say that they're not catering to the DJ playing after them because they're only thinking about their little moment and they're doing a disservice to you but also to the actual event because if the warm-up dj is already playing all the bangers when they have like 20 people in the venue it's not setting up the right atmosphere but in this particular case it's not just about playing according to your time slot you're talking about a dj after you who's playing a totally different genre i have to say in this case that's not your problem you should just focus on what your time slot and purpose is for that night so you know if you're the warm-up dj or if you're headlining or if you're somewhere in between You know that, and like you said, you're preparing your set accordingly because you know what you're supposed to play at that event. That's what you should be thinking about. So, okay, you already know that the DJ after you is going to be playing, most likely, a totally different genre, a genre that's not fitting with the actual event. That's not your problem. You should still look at it as I'm going to play at that time, this is my purpose, and this is what I'm preparing my set for. And That DJ has to figure out the consequences. If it is a bass party and that DJ can only play house, either he's going to attempt to play bass and do it wrong or he's not going to play bass, I guess the promoters won't be too happy with that. You just need to focus on you and your set. Now, if the other DJ is actually your friend and you've had this conversation, you might want to double check with them if they had a conversation with the promoter. If the promoter is aware of the fact that they have no experience playing bass, or that they're not planning to play bass. But at the end of the day, focus on your set and what your purpose for that particular event is. (laughs) SDK all day, baby, share the knowledge, let's go. So let's talk about jealousy amongst DJs. Hi, DJ TLM, firstly, I wanna thank you very much for your video support and all the good stuff for us to be better DJs and informed with all these good lessons. In addition, I'd like you to make a discussion video for Jealousy on DJing. Being more specific, for my scenario, a friend of mine who got into DJing is getting overhyped for his events and wants to be shown. And keeps sending me messages like, I'm better than you, and stuff like that. I believe you understand. I'm just being positive and watching my gigs and stuff. So first off, you're doing the right thing. You need to just focus on the positive and focus on your gigs. Now, there's a lot to go through in this message, in this question. Let me just start here. This quote unquote, air quotes right there, friend of yours. If that person is actually sending you all of these negative messages, telling you he's better than you, doing it to feel better by bringing you down, then that is not a friend. So let's get that out the way first. That's not a friend. That's someone who's currently adding negativity to your life. You need to cut that off. Positivity is the way to go. You want to avoid negativity like that. Now, just to play devil's advocate, there is like a 1% to 5% chance that this person actually is a good friend of yours. And he's doing this to motivate you by actually stinging you a little bit to try to push you to become better. But let's be honest, I don't think that's what it is. I think this person is actually just bringing you down to feel better. That's not a friend. I can't judge on the situation beyond that, but looking at this, that's not what friends should be doing. I've never had a friend of mine, and I have a lot of like acquaintances and friends in this DJ world. I've never had any one of them send me messages like, I'm better than you, and you name it. If we do stuff like that, it would be clear that it is isn't good fun, But even that hasn't really happened. So that's part one. Then let's get into the part about being overhyped. There's plenty of DJs out here everywhere that are overhyped. People that aren't really good DJs, people that aren't DJs at all, that are getting a lot of attention and probably a lot more bookings than me and you. It happens. If this is something that bothers you, you need to just get that out of your vision totally. You do not want any focus on stuff like that, because if it adds negative vibes to you, that's not going to be positive for you to build as a person, as a DJ. So again, negativity needs to be out the door. If it's people around you, if it's things you see or hear online or in person, you want to avoid that. I've been in this situation as well, and I'll use myself as an example. There was a time where I was following a lot of DJs on Twitter. This was before Instagram. Uh, A lot of DJs that I knew personally and a lot of DJs that I just kind of liked or looked up to or just enjoyed hearing. So I was following hundreds of DJs on Twitter and it was motivating me. I liked the fact that I saw a lot of DJs I knew that were flourishing. They were doing good. They were having like tons of gigs. They were traveling all over the world. And yeah, for a while that motivated me like, yeah, I'm going to do that too. At a certain point, that switched and I started to regard it not as something motivating but something that was bothering me. Like a lot of people were doing a lot of great stuff but my thoughts were switching to the point where I was looking at it like a lot of these guys are overhyped because I know I'm a better DJ but they're getting more gigs. That could be through connections, uh, through bought hype, you name it. That doesn't matter. The point is, It was not motivating me anymore. It was giving me negative thoughts. As soon as I felt that, I unfollowed all of those people. Not because of the ones that I like that I don't like them anymore, but I don't need that on my timeline if it's not adding to my positivity. So I really pay attention to that. And to this day, I don't follow a lot of people on Twitter, Instagram, you name it just because I don't want too much of that on my timeline. I want to focus on me. Another part is, and you need to really keep that in mind, if you have jealous thoughts when it comes to other DJs, are these DJs actually following the path you want to follow? Because I can see tons of DJs that are having a lot of success, a lot more DJ success than I have or had. But when I look at the path they follow, I can honestly say to myself, that's not a path that I want to travel or plan to travel. So if that's not the road I'm following, it doesn't really make sense for me to look at where they are. In that regards, a lot of people have a lot of success, but the way they achieve that success is not a way that I would do anyway. So it makes no sense for me to pay attention to that. So I try to focus on me. I currently have the same thing going on with my DJ course. Now I can talk about this for days. I'm not going to do that now. A lot of things have happened in the last like six months to uh, to year that have really stagnated the DJ course and other plans, but I know a lot of companies and DJs out with DJ courses. If I pay too much attention to that and what they do, it might actually steer me away from my own path and my own plan. So I don't really pay a lot of attention to what it is that each and every one of them does because there's a lot out there, a lot that could even make you say, why would you want to do DJ courses when you already have all of those courses? But I know exactly why I want to do my courses, why it's going to be different, and why I need to not pay attention to what everyone else is doing and just follow my own path. So again, as advice to you, stay positive and focus on you. If people are too negative, they're not your friends, get them out of your sight, out of your system. And if you happen to feel certain feelings of envy, jealousy, or negativity towards other DJs or because of how other DJs are being hyped, just get that out of your vision as well. You do not need that. There's other things to focus on, right? (laughs) This is the Share the Knowledge podcast for DJs. All right, not playing what you like. Let's talk about that. How do you deal with not playing what you like? DJ TLM, bro, thanks for all the help on YouTube and all that good stuff you do. I started DJing about a year and a half now, and I've been watching your channel since thirteen, fourteen. I need advice on something. I'm a DJ that likes playing original songs only of new hip-hop stuff. So I know how to make people my age group, 16 to 25, turn up and vibe with all the music taste and knowledge. I did play at a bar once and I only had older people that were not into hip hop or any stuff that I personally like. I had a really tough night making people dance because of my taste and knowledge. How do you deal with not playing what you like and not being yourself because of the age group? If you can answer me, bro, it will mean a lot. I appreciate everything you do. So for me personally, the answer is I stay away from the gigs where I cannot play what I like. That's something I've learned over the years because I've definitely been in situations where I could not really get the crowd where I wanted them because they wanted to hear different music than the music that I would play. Now, it all depends on your goals. If it is your goal to do as many gigs as possible, then yes, it's in your best interest to learn how to play everything. If you can play everything, you can do a lot more gigs. For some DJs, this works. For me, it doesn't because that does not make me happy. At the end of the day, I chose this profession because it made me happy. DJing was my passion. I felt privileged that I could earn a living by DJing, but I wanted to make sure I keep that passion. Otherwise, if I'm doing this and it's not fun anymore, there's different things I could be doing. I don't want that. This is a choice, and you have to make that choice for yourself. So if you do not feel comfortable playing for that older crowd because they want to hear totally different music than the new hip-hop, which I can imagine, then you need to focus on the gigs where you can play for your own age group. You have a specific demographic that likes what you do. That's the type of people you want to play for. So that's a choice. That might mean that you'll have less gigs because it all depends on where you are, how many gigs are there for that 16 to 25 group, if there's not a lot then there might not be a lot of gigs for you. But yeah, like I said, you have to find out what makes you happy. Because if in your situation, a lot of the gigs that you could do are gigs for older people, meaning that you would have to play different music, then you need to really do some good research to see if you would be comfortable playing a lot of that other music. Now, maybe you haven't really experienced that other music yet. And you can find out that, hey, I actually like this genre, that genre. I like the music from 80s, 90s, the 2000s, you name it. So I don't know if you fully experimented with that because that would clearly be a good idea just to do at home. Experience that music, see if you can find music within those genres from that time that you do like because if you can expand your arsenal, that's always a good thing. But again, that's totally up to you. So if you can play all genres, you're going to have a lot more gigs. If you can play multiple genres, that's going to still get you quite a few gigs. If you can only do one genre or at least one time frame, it's going to limit the amount of gigs you can do. You need to find out what works for you and just be aware of the consequences. I know I cannot do as many gigs because I'm pretty specific about what I will play and what I won't play, but I chose happiness so I only do the gigs where I can play what I want to play. <laughs> SDK all day, baby. Share the knowledge. Let's go. So it's time for a tech question and I wanna talk about record box scratch mixers. Now, I recently received a question from someone who wanted to know why there aren't any record box scratch mixers because there's a ton of different scratch mixers for Serato and Well, basically that's it there's a ton of scratch mixers for serato because if we take a look at tractor there's only one real tractor scratch mixer yes technically i would have to say two if we count that pioneer djmt one mixer that came out i don't know if anyone uses that but for most people that z2 will be tractors scratch mixer now in this case we're talking about record box record box dj by pioneer of course, RecordBox is their music management software. RecordBox DJ is their DJ performance software. You could use that as a DVS with vinyl, uh, with a controller, you name it. But Pioneer DJ, and this is what I told that person in the reply, Pioneer DJ has their DJMS9, which originally was made for Serato DJ, but it is compatible with RecordBox DJ now as well. So that is currently the scratch mixer that can be used with Rekordbox DJ. Now, mind you, there are a lot of Scratch mixers out there that have MIDI capabilities, and you could probably map that MIDI to work with the box features and actually trigger some of those features. But actual certified compatible mixers, I have to agree, there's not really box Scratch mixers out. Now, why is that? Well, the fact is that Scratch DJ's turntablists, or at least that entire scene, is a niche market. So for a company like, for instance, Pioneer, they already have basically a perfect scratch mixer for DVS. That is their S9. They did not feel the need to make a specifically designed mixer for Rekordbox because their market is not big enough. Most of the scratch DJs that they know that use DVS use Serato. And currently, I guess it's just not in their plans to focus on that niche market to pull them towards another Pioneer mixer, specifically for Box DJ, when that S9 already works. You have to keep in mind that the biggest part of the market is controller DJs. If you take a look at surveys, I mean, I've done a poll myself and a couple of hundred people participated in that. Digital DJ Tips does a yearly survey with like 30,000 DJs and they ask what people use. Now in my poll, the definite number one like at least like 70, 75% use the controller. With the digital DJ tips, one with 30,000 DJs, I think that was even higher. That might've been 80 or 85 that were using a DJ controller. So that is a large part of the market. That's why Pioneer really focuses on that. And then they have their top of the line media player, which is the club standard, the Nexus 2. And they're probably thinking more about the next level of that instead of thinking about making more scratch mixers. Now, Native Instruments is another brand. They're not going to make a record box scratch mixer. That makes a lot of sense. They have their own software, so they'll make mixers for Tractor, and they only made one because even for them, that is definitely not their main market. You could tell because at a certain point, they were starting to make controllers that didn't even have jog wheels anymore. Now, they stepped away from that, of course, and now they have things like their S4 Mark III with actual moving jog wheels. So, that is a little bit more catering towards scratch DJs. But again, I think they'd rather focus on that instead of spending a lot of time on scratch mixers. Now, the Z2 does need to have an upgrade or a follow-up. Maybe that will happen one day, but they're not going to make something for Rekordbox. So, are there other brands out there that could make mixers that could work with Rekordbox? Probably... There's a lot that goes into that uh, with licenses and stuff like that, and they'll have to pay to make that work with different software. I really don't get into that because that's not really interesting to me, but I just know for a fact that a lot of these MIDI capable scratch mixers could easily work with any of the DJ software, but it's all about what companies actually want. And certain companies already dedicated to work with one DJ software aren't even allowed probably to work with other brands as well. So it's not in their best interest to mess with that. Now, of course, you have Rain, and Rain does produce a lot more scratch mixers. But since day one, Rain has been synonymous with Serato so I don't expect Rain to start producing stuff that works with Rekordbox DJ. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes and what type of licensing and things have to happen before a brand can actually produce a product that will work with certain DJ software. I don't know the ins and outs when it comes to that, but they're probably not going to be the one to do that. I don't think there's a lot of different brands out there that would even spend the time to start producing for Rekordbox because if you look at the amount of scratch DJs, that niche market, and you check out which software they use, you're going to see that Serato definitely takes up most of that pie. And then there's going to be a couple of record box DJ users, a couple of Tractor users, but I think Serato is definitely taking the main chunk of that. So if you are a brand and you have a certain budget to work with when it comes to the production of new equipment, how much time do you want to spend? How much money do you want to spend on making something that is specifically for software that a lot of your market is not currently using? And we've seen shifts in this. And over the years, I've always seen people ask for this. Like One brand would come out and with a new mixer or a new controller, and the first thing you would see in the comments is, why won't this work with this software? Or will this work with this software? So, for instance, a new Serato controller, and then you get a ton of questions from people asking, "Will this now work with Tractor?" Now, the questions about Tractor have died down. Now, when it comes to controllers, most DJs will ask, "Hey, Record Box, will it also work with Record Box?" And sometimes stuff will. But again, Pioneer has the Record Box DJ software, and they've made a couple of dedicated Record Box DJ controllers, and even they still went back and made second versions that would work with Serato because they can even tell that a large part of their market, people buying their controllers, still prefer to use Serato DJ. So Serato is still the main player when it comes to that. So if you're looking for or waiting for a record box DJ scratch mixer other than the S9, you might have to wait a long time because I don't know if there's going to be a lot of brands out there that would produce something for Record Box DJ software unless Pioneer decides that they actually do have a little bit of extra budget to now make one scratch mixer that's only for Record Box DJ. I just don't see it happening because if they would make something like that, that's going to be interesting to such a small part of that scratch DJ market. And a lot of people are going to have that first question in the comments. When will this work with Serato? So I think they'll stick with their Serato mixer and just make it work for Record Box as well. That's their best option now, but we never know. Sometimes the brands surprise us. So we'll see what happens in the future. <laughs> this is the share the knowledge podcast for DJs. All right. It's time to talk money. And this question is all about prices and raising your price for specific events. DJ TLM, I have a question for you that might not have been discussed in a video earlier. I'd like to know from you, is it justified to raise your DJ price when playing unordinary events such as weddings or festivals? Let me know. Now, to be honest, I would not call weddings or festivals unordinary events, but I understand what you're talking about. If you're a club DJ and you play club gigs or if you normally play bars, then a festival is something different. And weddings or just the entire mobile DJ game, is a totally different animal. If you have a set price to play in a club for an hour, or for two hours, or even for six hours, that is a totally different type of experience and type of booking if you compare it to a wedding. Most of the times when it comes to a wedding, you will not just come in for an hour to play music. You're going to be there for the entire event There's a lot that goes into weddings. I'm not a mobile DJ. I do not have that much experience when it comes to these type of events, but I've done a couple. With one, I basically did the after party. So after the entire event had taken place, the wedding had taken place, everyone gathered in this club for basically an after party. I've also done a wedding where I was there for the entire event. And before the wedding... I was playing outside. They had this beautiful big garden. They had food trucks outside. And I was there to create like an ambiance. Then the actual wedding took place. And after that, in a different part of the venue, there was the after party. That's not even the correct term. You need a wedding DJ to tell you like the correct terms for that. But you're talking about where they had like a band play and they do their first dance, the whole nine. Now, in my case, I didn't even have to like totally... Host that, but a lot of times when DJs do weddings, they're actually the one holding that microphone, announcing the first dance, bringing people out, bringing the newlyweds into the event, announcing them and all that. If you're doing a gig like that, it takes a lot more planning. you're going to have a lot more meetings with the person booking you, and you're going to need to do a lot more than just play a club set. So it's pretty normal that you're not going to charge the same for a gig like that compared to a club gig. And I'll tell you, even though I know a lot of club DJs who kind of frown upon mobile DJs and wedding DJs and you name it, the mobile DJ scene slash wedding scene earns a lot more than most club DJs do. Now, of course, the top DJs, they make the big money. That's a different story. But if you're talking about your regular club DJs, they do not get paid what that mobile DJ gets paid to play that private event or to play that wedding. It's more work, but it also pays a lot more. So to bring it back to the original question, it's perfectly fine to charge a different price, a higher price for unordinary gigs. Now, when it comes to festivals, like I said, I wouldn't call that unordinary. In my experience... A lot of festivals don't pay a lot more than they pay for club gigs here in the Netherlands unless you're one of the big boys. You have to imagine if you have like one of these big festivals, they might have seven, eight, or nine different areas or sometimes 15 areas. One area might be an outside stage. The next one is going to be a big tent. The other one is going to be by the water, whatever you name it. One will be hosted by this party event planner, This one will be hosted by that party. Each of those parties has their own identity, their own music style, and they'll book the DJs for that stage. A lot of times when I get booked for festivals, it is for one of the stages by one of those events, event promoters. And normally I get paid the same that I get paid to play for them in the club. No difference there. That's my experience with some festivals here. Again, weddings, that's a totally different story depending on how much work you do. Now, if you're a mobile DJ, it also means most likely that you'll be bringing all of the equipment. Again, this is something you'll have to rent or you invested and you bought it. So you're asking for different prices and that's totally logical. Now, if you need more information about what it is that you could charge, I'm not the person to ask because like I said, I do not have a lot of experience doing these type of gigs. Uh, There are definitely some mobile and wedding DJs on YouTube that you could check out. They'll drop a lot of information when it comes to gigs like that. But yes, you can charge totally different prices for gigs like that. (laughs) SDK all day, baby. Share the knowledge. Let's go. So we're going to continue to talk about mixing. And in this case, we're talking about mixing transition points. Where do you start your mix? Hey TLM, I've been watching your videos and I think I have a basic understanding of the beat matching, but how do you know when to transition to the next song lyrically? I know you say after the first song chorus, but what if it's halfway through lyrics on the new song? All right, so I'm not totally clear with the question, but I'll just want to talk about transitions. Um, I have said that you can make your transition after the first song's chorus. What I mean by that is if a song has a structure where it starts with either a beat or chorus, and then you get a verse, after that verse, you get a chorus. You want to make your transition during that chorus. So not after the chorus, but you start your mix during that chorus. Now, a lot of times a hook, a chorus like that will be eight bars but not always, know your music, otherwise you're gonna get some nasty surprises. But let's just imagine I have a song that starts with like an eight bar intro, then you have a 16 bar verse, and then you have an eight bar chorus. Now I could decide to play the track longer, do another verse and take that chorus that comes then. But in this case, I'm gonna do one verse, and after that I have an eight bar chorus. If the next song that I have ready also has an eight bar intro, then it's clear cut. You're going to play those eight bars of intro over the eight bar chorus of the other song, meaning that both of those eight bars will finish at the same time. And when that one chorus is done, the actual verse of the next song or chorus of the next song, whatever comes after the intro, will start. That gives you a nice seamless transition. Now, if you're dealing with a track, a new track that only has a four-bar intro and then the lyrics begin, that means you're going to have to change your transition point. If that first song has that eight-bar chorus and your second song only has four bars of intro, then you have to let the chorus on track one play for four bars and then you bring in the other track because then it has a four-bar intro playing over the last four bars of the first song and then you make your switch. Now, I can understand this might be a little bit technical to just hear, to listen to, so I'll link to a video that describes this process better. Now, mind you, the way I just explained it is just all about math, talking about four bars, eight bars, how to make sure you blend that correctly. There's a lot of other things you could do as well. If a song only has like a four-bar intro, you could also put a loop on those four bars, and that way you can mix it however long you want to if you want to mix it over an eight bar chorus from another song you just let it loop for eight bars and then let it play or you can even let it loop longer the choice is yours so there's all sorts of things you can do with that but the main point is you want to make sure that if song one is playing you want to start the new song you want people to actually hear the new song after a chorus or at least at the correct point after a certain phrase, not halfway through a phrase, not halfway through a chorus, you want to keep that technically correct. And again, that really comes down to knowing your music. You need to play a song and already know that's how that chorus goes. That new song has an intro that works like this. And if you have a new song that actually already starts with lyrics and it doesn't start with like a beat, In that case, you're not going to do a mixed transition. You're going to bring it in on the one because you don't want to mix lyrics through a chorus. That's going to be a mess. And trust me, I've seen and heard plenty of DJs do that. That is a no-no. So if you're dealing with a song that starts with lyrics, drop it on the one. If it's halfway through that it starts with lyrics, so after four bars, then you do have four bars of beat that you can use. There's all sorts of tricks. Again, I'll link to a video and I might actually do a new video very soon. <laughs> this is the Share the Knowledge Podcast for DJs. So I was just talking about playing one genre or playing a lot of genres, and I have a question that really caters to that same topic. Hey TLM, recently found your YouTube channel and I'm enjoying it very much. I've been working as a DJ on an 80s party, playing synth-pop, hip-hop, rock, and a bit of Flash House. I always try to mix them as much as possible, doing interesting transitions between songs. What are your thoughts on mixing these genres, especially rock and roll? I can say it's very hard, but also a lot of fun. Thanks for sharing the knowledge. Peace. Well, my thoughts when it comes to mixing all of these different genres is if it works for you, and it works for the event, then it can definitely be a lot of fun. Now, like you said, it's not always going to be easy, especially when your genres are that far apart. It's not like you're playing all sorts of different electronic music. If you're going from synth pop to hip hop, rock and roll, house, that is all over the place. So yes, the difficulty when it comes to mixing will increase. It's going to be a little bit harder because they're definitely not structured the same way. All of these songs, some of these songs will not actually have a steady tempo. If it's all live musicians, then you might have the fluctuating tempo with certain tracks, uh, different type of choruses, uh, a lot to take into consideration. So first off, it's very important that you really know your music. Now, if you're playing at an event, and in this case, you're talking about You're working on an 80s party, so this is going to be your event, your concept. If you can get the right people in there, then this can be an amazing party with a lot of people really enjoying it. You're going to have to work hard, but if you know your music well and you do do some preparation where you at least try to find some nice transitions between genres that you do have prepared, then this can be a terrific thing. Now you can do a totally freestyle as well, don't get me wrong, but if you actually put in the work to do a little bit of research and experimentation before the event, it's going to make it a lot better. In certain cases, you might actually have uh, the opportunity to, for instance, use an original old track with a remix in another genre, or there might be some things you could do with word plays, you have a rock and roll track with a certain sentence in there that you could loop and then play some house over it. The possibilities are basically endless. But I do wanna add, it is important to keep in mind, and I've said this on plenty of occasions, that you don't try to mix everything. Sometimes it's just gonna be a lot better, a lot cleaner, more efficient to just drop it on the one. Especially when you're combining so many genres clean blends are not always going to be easy but they're also not always going to really enhance the vibe some things just don't blend very well and if you're playing hits at a certain point Sometimes it's just so much better to make that clean cut on the one and just drop that new track. Uh, Take the one out before that, just a couple of seconds before that. If people are singing along to something, then bringing a new track that could be in a totally different genre. Um, This can work really well. It can. So just a couple of things. Really know your music. Experiment with some transitions beforehand and know that you don't have to mix everything. Beyond that, If I look at the genres that you're talking about here, if you get the right people in there, that could be an amazing party. So I wish you the best of luck with that. (laughs) SDK all day, baby. Share the knowledge. Let's go. The last topic of this episode is going to be a reoccurring item. I'm going to do this every time I shoot an episode. And the item is called Your Thoughts. And I want to ask you a question. Now, today's question is, have the effects of the coronavirus changed your thoughts about your DJ career. That could be that you are already a DJ and you now feel the full effect of what happens when we're dealing with a disaster like this. In this case, it's a pandemic, which just stops all work and now there's no income. Or maybe you're thinking about making DJing a full-time career and now you see from the sideline what happens to DJs when something like this happens. Has this changed your thoughts about this? Are you still gonna pursue becoming a DJ Are you going to go into this with a different mindset, thinking about having alternative streams of revenue on the side? Or are you like, I'm just going to go for it, go all in, and I'll find a way to either build up a buffer to prepare me for whenever something like this happens um, and roll with the punches. I'm interested to see because for some people, this was like their dream. And maybe you were thinking about this as being that great moneymaker, you name it, which it can be. But for a lot of people, it really isn't. But this is the first time that DJs really have something happen to them that just totally kills your entire industry. There are no jobs right now at all. So let me know your thoughts. For me, as I've already discussed, I'm lucky enough to have alternative revenue. And going on in the future, I still want to DJ. I want to continue to do this for as long as I can. But on my terms, that is why I'm so happy that I'm finding these alternative revenue streams. And they happen to be within my passion as well. So that's just a great way to make this all work. So for me, DJing will always be a part of what I do, but I'm not going to make it the main Uh, the main income source. So that gives me a little bit more room to breathe. And I don't really have to worry as much. This was different just a couple of years ago. And if this was a couple of years ago, I'd be totally knocked out right now as well. And probably have no idea what to do. So I'm, I'm happy I'm not in that place. But at the same time, like I said, I really feel for all of my DJs out there um, because this is kind of scary and I hope all of you are able to get through this uh, one way or another (laughs) This is the Share the Knowledge Podcast for DJs I want to thank you for joining me today and I hope this episode brought you some value If it did, feel free to share the episode and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a rating, that will help me out a lot If you have a question I'd be more than happy to answer it here on the podcast so just hit me up Share the knowledge at djtlm.com. Check out djtlm.com for all my info, merch, and links to my online content. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll be back soon. Peace.